Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This weekly radio program is brought to you by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. We now invite you to stay tuned for our message this morning. Good morning. We'd like to welcome you to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is David Wise, but we'll be airing a message from Joe Nettles for you in just a minute. If you happen to be in the North Mississippi area, we'd invite you to come worship with us here at Sulphur Springs Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, or come see us at Macedonia in Ackerman, Mississippi, or on Wednesday nights in Starville, Mississippi at 6 p.m., Go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com, where you can get past messages and subscribe to our podcast through multiple different platforms. This morning, we'd like to air the second installment of a message from Brother Joe Nettles regarding the examples of new birth in the Old Testament, and we'll go ahead and begin that message for you right now. We hope this sermon will be edifying to you this morning. May God bless you. New Testament kings and priests today, listen to me. You have been given the greatest treasure the world, the universe has or ever have, will have seen. And that is the news, the good news, the assurance and comfort that God is your God and Jesus died for you. He says, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Notice he said the spirit of Christ, which was in them, not just upon them, not just about them, Spirit of God which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us. They did minister the things which are now reported to you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Here are Old Testament characters that hungered, yearned so much that they were studying their own writings. I've told y'all this before. That's significant. You know, I've written a lot of articles in the past, but I've never said, you know what? I really need to learn more about Psalm 119. Let me go look up the things I've written about it. No, I don't study my own writings because they're not inspired. Oh, I'm motivated by the Holy Spirit to write these things, but that's not what's talking about scriptural inspiration. That was not inbreathed into me as part of the Holy Word of God that is inerrant and infallible. In fact, I'm sure those articles probably do have some misstatements, probably some things that may be in error. I hope not, but they wouldn't be surprising if they did because those things were written by me and by my intellect. But this, my friends, the Word of God was given perfectly by the Holy Spirit of God. And it was in them. And here they, they yearned to know these things that they had written so that they studied and poured over their own writings trying to find some kernel of light that they longed and hungered for. My friends, it looks like to me they were seeking after God. Amen? Well, it tells me in Romans chapter 3 that the wicked, those who are void of the Spirit of God, they have no fear of God. Okay? They will not seek after God. But these were seeking after God and more knowledge of God. My friends, these were born again of the Spirit of God. Another reason, go with me to Titus chapter 3. Now we've talked about 
the revelatory power, the revealing power of the Holy Spirit of God. We see that manifestly in the Old Testament saints. Now we go to Titus chapter 3. Go with me to Titus chapter 3 and let's read about something that the Holy Spirit produces in men. Titus chapter 3. <clears throat> For we ourselves also, verse 3, Titus 3 and 3. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, that means many, several, divers, lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Somebody may say, boy, it really is hard for me to believe that man could get so dreadful. Well, if, you, if you're having a hard time believing that, you have not watched any news lately, and you have not been around much of anybody uh, outside of the church lately, apparently, because there are a lot of folks out there who hate you for what you love. Amen. They hate people. They are full of hate. They're full of malice. They're always wrong, but they're never in doubt that they're always right. You see, that's the nature of man. Okay? My Uncle Robin, bless his heart, one time told me, son, Uncle Robin don't know if he's ever met anybody who's going to hell. I said, Uncle Robin, you've been hiding out on this dairy farm and in that church. I said, those are good places to be. I said, but if you come buckle your wagon up to me and come hang around some of these emergency rooms sometime, I think you might get your mind changed and you'll get your thinking a little more in line with the Word of God. Okay? He said, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. You see what made the difference? After all that description of the wickedness, the sorriness, the hate, the malice, the deceit. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. By what? How did all of this mercy, all of this kindness, all of the shed blood, how was it ever given and attributed unto unworthy sinners like we are? He said, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. That's the new birth. Regeneration. He said, that Holy Spirit, when you're born again, makes a change. A big change. Again, we've spoken there's a natural eye, a natural ear, a natural heart. But then he goes on to teach you about the things of a spiritual eye, a spiritual ear, and a spiritual heart. So here he lays out the same concept. You are disobedient, deceived, uh, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But contradistinct to that, now we see a change after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared. He goes on to teach us about the new birth. That's what makes the change. Now, go with me to Psalm 55, verse 19. Uh, can we show any such changes in the Old Testament? Now, if man was capable of such change on his own, then what import would it have to even have the Holy Spirit revealed to us in the New Testament? I mean, if men could just straighten themselves out and live like God, why is it that God had to come in the flesh and to represent men who would never come unto God? You see? All right? Notice way back in Psalms chapter 55, we're going to read verse 19. 
God shall hear and afflict them, even he that abideth of old. Again, talking about the wicked, Selah. Because they have no changes. Therefore, they fear not God. What did we teach from Romans chapter 3 just a little while ago? That if you're void of the Spirit of God, you have no fear of God before your eyes. There's no fear of God. No reverential awe of the Almighty without the Spirit of God being already in you, having quickened you. Okay? And here he says, way back in the Old Testament, the psalmist David says, because they have no changes, therefore they fear not God. You think that change described over in Titus chapter 3 only began in Acts chapter 2? Balderdash and poppycock. David knew about it. All these Old Testament saints have known about it and experienced it. But the thing is, they didn't know how it happened. They didn't know the process. They didn't know exactly what it was based upon. How it was affected. And the good news from the New Testament is, it is not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to His mercy, He has saved you. It's not by keeping stone tablets. It's not by slaughtering turtle doves. It is by His grace and His grace alone. And I'm here to tell you, we're blessed to know that. Amen? Well, they had a semblance of that knowledge back then. How did they know that? When the natural eye can't see and the ear can't hear and the natural heart it can't enter in, I can tell you the Spirit of God has revealed it. Revealed it unto David. Revealed it unto those who read this psalm. Uh, go with me to Genesis chapter 28. Let's look at another character. Let's look at the case of Jacob just a minute. We go to Genesis chapter 28. And I told y'all I would be turning to several places. Just keep in mind that whenever I'm... The only, the only time my preaching is perfect is when I'm reading directly from the Word of God. Okay, so I like to read from the Word of God. Uh, we go to Genesis chapter 28 and look at verse 16. Now here, what's the setting? Jacob has lighted upon a certain place, Bethel. It was a place of great uh, covenant import. He didn't realize it. He had no desire for it. He just lighted upon this place. And he fell into a deep sleep. And he saw this vision of the ladder of God with angels ascending and descending and the Lord in heaven. And that these things were coming down and coming back up in a connection with him. And notice the change in Jacob when he woke up. Before, he was a supplanter, a trickster. I mean, he was willing to cheat his brother, steal, lie, take part in deception, and graft. Notice the difference now. Verse 16, And Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. But notice this, And I knew it not. He said, something has happened to me. I now have a, a dread realization that God is real and He has been here in a special, powerful way. I didn't know it before. I had no, I think when He says, and I knew it not, means I had no desire for it before. I had no, it was no significance in my life. But now He said, surely the Lord, Jehovah, is in this place. And I knew it not. And he was afraid. Oh, well, what's this? The fear of God. He was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place? 
This is none other but the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. And I'll tell you, he rose up early in the morning. He turned that pillow of stone into a pillar of honor under the Lord. What made the change? What made the change? Now go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 32. And we see a little testimony, a little commentary on this in this song of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 32. Notice what is spoken of of this experience in this song of Moses and the Lamb. We go to Deuteronomy chapter 32. Verse 9. For the Lord's portion is His people. Again, I'll say this. Somebody may say, well, the Lord wants everybody in heaven. No, this said the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is the lot of His inheritance. Okay? Those are going to be the ones to inherit because God has chosen them. Okay? Again, when He points to Jacob, He's speaking about a covenant chosen people. For the Lord's portion is His people. Jacob is the lot of His inheritance. Now speaking of Jacob, verse 10, He says, He found him in a desert land and in the waste howling wilderness, he led him about. He instructed him. He kept him as the apple of his eye. I hear a lot of people saying, let me tell you something, young man. You need to find Jesus. You need to find God. I was at a funeral one time, and somebody said that, and Deacon Roy Stewart leaned over to me and said, I didn't realize God was lost. <laughs> Did you? And when Brother Roy, bless his heart, he whispered like he learned in a sawmill. So he was, he was almost preaching to people when he said that. I didn't know God was lost. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, you know, that's true. Notice, it didn't say Jacob found God. It said God found Jacob. Now, God always knew where Jacob was. He's omniscient. But finding him in this sense is he changed him. <laughs> he found him. He took a hold of him. He arrested him in his love and grace and mercy and quickened him. And it caused the change here that we see described over in Titus chapter 3 that can only come by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. You see, it was taking place even back then. Go with me to 2 Chronicles chapter 33. 2 Chronicles chapter 33. We see one named Manasseh, a wicked, one of the most wicked and vile kings ever to be had among the people of God. 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Let's read in verse 12. Here Manasseh has now been captured. Now notice this Manasseh was a sacrificer of, of, of people. Uh, this Manasseh was a worshiper of idols. And if you read the life of Manasseh, you're going to see one and just malice and envy, hateful and hating other people. But now notice in verse 12 of 2 Chronicles chapter 33. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. Besought. If you look that up in the Hebrew, it basically means to be made sick. But why was it translated besought? Because it's giving you the picture of someone who's sick and looking for a cure. Okay? My friends, you don't... How many of you say, well, I feel good today. I think I'm going to go to the doctor." I think, I'm telling you, I feel right as rain. I think I'm going to go to the doctor today. No. Who goes to seek out the services of a physician? Those who are sick. They have a malady. They need an answer. So here it said uh, in verse 12, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. He'd never done this before. 
No, here he besought. He's now seeking God. What does it tell us again in Romans chapter 3? A trait of those void of the Spirit of God is they seek not after God. God is not in all his thoughts. That's what it tells us in Psalms 10. We also read a semblance of that over in Romans chapter 3. And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. Here he's praying to him and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers and prayed unto him. Why is it that you cry unto God, Abba, Father? And because ye are sons, God hath entered into the entered into the heart, the Spirit of God, crying, Abba, Father. I didn't quote that just right. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Well, here's one who is now praying with fervor and longing and spiritual illness unto God and prayed unto him and he was entreated of him heard his supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom then Manasseh knew that the Lord he was God oh we sing that hymn what can the blood of Jesus do oh it can cleanse a Mary's or Manasseh's stains or sins more vile than they what produced this change in Manasseh well, my friends, this change in Manasseh was produced by the Holy Spirit of God. A couple other places I want to go. Um, another reason, another evidence we know the Holy Spirit was quickening people in the Old Testament is because they had faith. They had faith. We know that implicitly, explicitly, I should say, from Romans chapter, I mean, Hebrews chapter 11 and other places. Uh, I go very quickly to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And notice what it says here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 12. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written. Now here he's saying we have a spirit, a motive of faith, according as it is written. Now... There I get an indication that the Spirit works it within our spirits that we are the children of God. We have been given this faith. If you go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, faith is a fruit of the Spirit. That means Spirit comes first, right? Okay. Well, here he said, we having the same Spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. What is it he shows to prove and to enhance his teaching about that spirit of faith? He quotes from the Old Testament, Psalms 116. You see, they had faith then and he's proving it by saying this is in accordance with our spirit of faith right now. Well, again, we mentioned Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to go over to Galatians chapter 5 and look at a verse over there. You can go and look at verse 22 where it tells you without a shadow of a doubt, that faith is the fruit of the Spirit of God. But now we go over to Galatians chapter 5. And notice what he says in verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Through the Spirit, we wait. It means we long. We trust Him. We serve Him for the hope of righteousness. What? By faith. The faith is worked in us through the Holy Spirit of God, you see. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it said, For without faith it is impossible to please God. But then you compare that with Romans chapter 8, verse 8. It says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
Okay? Well, if faith is a fruit of the Spirit, then which one came first? Faith, where it says you can't please God, or the Spirit. It says without that you can't please God. We know that if faith is a fruit of the Spirit, then the Spirit birth came, and with it brought faith. Without faith, without the Holy Spirit of God, it is impossible to please God. You see, faith is wrought in us by the Holy Spirit of God. And they had faith, therefore they had the new birth. And I close with just a couple of passages of Scripture. We talked about over in Titus chapter 3 where that washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit was necessary. Uh, for why? That the Spirit had to be cleansed. Why did it say a washing of regeneration? A washing. Because my friends, the Holy Spirit washes us clean. It takes away our filthiness and covers us with the precious, sinless, spotless blood of Jesus Christ. You go to uh, John chapter 3, verse 5. What did he tell Nicodemus? Except you be born of water and of the Spirit. Water had with it the concept of cleansing. Okay? He's saying the Holy Spirit is what makes you clean. All right? Notice over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 what it says about the Holy Spirit work over there. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you'll read verse 11, where he talks about some of you were scurrilous and scandalous acting people. Now he said, verse 11, and such were some of you, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Now I know primarily there he's talking about your experience in the church, in the name of Jesus Christ, in the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But my friends, the name of Jesus Christ and the manifestation of the Holy Spirit will not embolden you in something that has not eternally been done for you by the Holy Spirit, okay? So if you're washed, if your soul and spirit has been made fit to be in heaven, it had to be washed, right? Now there's a burden for people who say that Old Testament saints weren't being born again until Acts chapter 2. I've told y'all this before, I repeat it again then you're going to have to prove for me and show me how it is that God washed the wicked, fallen souls and spirits of men in the Old Testament and make them fit to live with Him in heaven if it wasn't by the means of the new birth. We know how it happened. In fact, Jesus began His preaching ministry teaching you how it happened, that you had to be born again of the Spirit of God. It's important for us to know that. That makes everything fall into place that has happened in the Bible up to that point. A couple of examples in closing. Remember Samuel came forward and condemned King Saul there at the witch of Endor's residence? How did his spirit arrive? His spirit had been in glory with the Lord and the Lord suffered his spirit to appear to condemn and bring that message to King Saul. How was Samuel's spirit with the Lord? My friends, it was there because it had been cleansed and it had been washed. That's the only way it could have been in the presence of the Lord. On the Mount of Transfiguration, okay? Relatively early in the ministry of Jesus Christ, we see Moses on one side and Elijah on the other. Elijah, body, soul, and spirit. Moses, soul, and spirit. How were they there in the presence of God in His glory? Because they had to be cleansed. They had to be washed. Okay? But they were there. Old Testament characters. Abraham, Luke chapter 16, the angels caught 
the beggar up into Abraham's bosom. How was it that Abraham, that Old Testament character, his soul and spirit was ever made clean enough? It certainly couldn't have been by the law. He predated the law. It couldn't have been by good works. He had many failed works. My friends, it was because the Lord had cleansed his soul and spirit. That's the only way it could have been in the presence of heaven with God. In Genesis chapter 35, you read about the dying of Rachel. And it said, Rachel, it said, her soul departed or she died. What's it saying there? It's saying that when Rachel died, there was part of her that departed. You know, we typically don't talk about departure unless you've got somewhere to go, okay? If I was to come and tell you, say, well, I'm going out the door and you're going to say, where are you going? I said, well, I'm departing now. You would automatically be led to ask, well, where are you going to? Where are you headed? Okay? Normally, when you go to the airport, departures and arrivals, you have a place to go. Her soul and spirit had a place to go. It was in the presence of God. Why? Because it had been born again. The soul and spirit had been washed and made new and made fit to be in the presence of Almighty God. This long, long, long predated Acts chapter 2. So I want you to keep this in mind when we start reading about this New Testament covenant that we're going to study about. It was not given for the purpose of giving the new birth and making people heaven fit. No, it wasn't. But it has been given us as a covenant of service that we might know what God has done of His own free will and His own sovereignty and power. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist Church in your community. To find a Primitive Baptist Church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find further contact information, you can visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com. You can also find our program on iTunes under podcast entitled The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Radio Broadcast. If you listen and enjoy our program, we would love to hear from you. You may contact us by email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road, on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. We would love for you to come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We invite you to tune in again next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. Wonderful the